Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the morning service of Sunday the 30th of January 2011, entitled God's Work of Creation, Physical and Spiritual, Part 1. And the Bible reading is taken from Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, to Genesis chapter 2, verse 3. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. Would you turn to the book of Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1, please? This certainly should be a familiar reading to most of you this morning. I invite you to stand with me as we read from God's Word, beginning in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1, which says, In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. The Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. And God said, let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. And God called the firmament heaven, and the evening and the morning were the second day. God said, let the waters under the heaven be gathered together unto one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. And God called the dry land earth, The gathering together of the waters called he seas, and God saw that it was good. God said, let the earth bring forth grass and the herb yielding seed and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind and whose seed is in itself upon the earth, and it was so. The earth brought forth grass and herb yielding seed after his kind. The tree yielding fruit whose seed was in itself after his kind God saw that it was good, and the evening and the morning were the third day. God said, let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night. Let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. Let them be for lights in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth, and it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser night to rule the night. He made the stars also. And God set them in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And the evening and the morning were the fourth day. God said, let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature that hath life and fowl that may fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. God created great whales, and every living creature that moveth with the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind, and every winged fowl after his kind, and God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the waters in the seas, and let the fowl multiply in the earth. And the evening and the morning were the fifth day. God said, let the earth bring forth the living creature after his kind, cattle and creeping thing and beast of the earth after his kind, 
and it was so. God made the beast of the earth after his kind, and cattle after their kind, and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind. And God saw that it was good. God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. And God blessed them. God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. God said, Behold, I have given you every herb-bearing seed which is upon the face of all the earth and every tree in the which is the fruit of a tree-yielding seed. To you it shall be for meat. To every beast of the earth and to every fowl of the air and to everything that creepeth upon the earth wherein there is life, I have given every green herb for meat, and it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And on the seventh day God ended his work which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because that in it he had rested from all his work which God created and made. Father, we thank you again today for our time together. Lord, we earnestly pray from our heart that, Lord, the time that we now have to look into your word, Lord, that you would take and help, Lord, that you would anoint with thy spirit, that you would bring these words alive, that you would speak to each and every heart. Father, you know the needs, and only you can meet those needs. May you be glorified and honored in all this done. In Christ's name we pray, amen and amen. I love a lot of things about the Bible. Well, I love the way it starts. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. God cannot begin itself, and that is beyond our thinking and our comprehension. But it was the eternal God that already was. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. We find that as we look through our Bibles that there are many places that creation is spoken of and, of course, the work of God is spoken of. We find in Job chapter 26 and in verse 7, the Bible says, He stretcheth out the north over the empty place and hangeth the earth upon nothing. In Psalm 102, and in verse 25, the Word of God says, Of old hast thou laid the foundation of the earth, and the heavens are the work of thy hands. 
And of course, it's not just the Old Testament, but we can look many places in the New Testament as well. But in Hebrews chapter 11 and in verse 3, the Bible says, Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. Boy, I love that verse. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. I will say in the very beginning that to take the Word of God and to read it as we do this morning and to understand that God, the eternal God from all eternity past to eternity future, that he created and brought into existence everything that is. And that it is only by his power, even the Bible says, by faith. But it didn't just say that by faith that it came into being by what? By his word now, I would say this. There's nobody alive that was there. There's nobody going to be able to bring proof, evidence in here to say, yes, I was there. This is the way it happened. But we have God's word on it, which is better than anybody else's. But I was reminded even in recent weeks helping Amber with some of her biology, <laughs> reminded of the complexity of even the smallest particles, the smallest molecules, and all that it, that it takes place for even one of those to be in existence. And then to look around at everything around us, from the plants to the animals, to, yes, human beings, to think of the complexity you know, some people accuse us of Christians as taking creation just by blind faith. We understand it by faith, but it's certainly not blind faith. <laughs> Matter of fact, it's exciting and interesting that even though that in most of our educational systems today, it's the theory of evolution that's taught as fact. <laughs> And yet, in all of scientific history, not one thing that man has discovered, not one thing that man has finally been able to figure out for himself has ever gone contrary. And it's quite amazing when you think back and you look back to when these words were first written and where man was in his scientific knowledge at that time. And to see that all the discoveries that he's made since then, they can only bear out what we already know. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Why does that 
troubles so many people. I, I like the illustration, and you've some of you heard me use it before that I, I read once, and it was, you know, I, I love mathematical things that are exact, and they can't be changed by anybody. But one of the things, and I, and I don't remember all the mathematical numbers that went with it that I saw was that if you've ever had the back off of just a simple wristwatch, and you've looked at all those little tiny pieces that are moving around in there in order for that just simply to keep time. And of course, most of the time, if it's going to keep time, if we wear it, we prefer for it to keep accurate time if we have a choice. And that means that not only do all those little pieces have to work together, but they have to work together in absolute perfect timing, second after second after second after second. Now, I've not tried it with my own watch, but I've seen it proven mathematically that with what it takes to make up that watch for it to work, if you took it apart in all the tiny pieces that it took to put it together, and you just fit them all into a box, and then you stuck that box and you just carried it around in your pocket for the rest of your life, same watch, all the same pieces, everything there, that there's a far, far, far better mathematical chance that all those pieces will find themselves back together and continue and put themselves back together and begin to work in perfect harmony. The chances of that are far greater than something like this earth and one living creature upon this earth could come into existence by chance that it could find its way together and work. This is nothing, folks, to just one of you that are sitting there, to one of those animals out there, to even to the, to the plant life that's out there. It takes far more and perfect harmony and timing for that to work and live than for a mere wristwatch that keeps time on our arms. And yet, we find that we are the ones that are accused of having to have faith. Well, I know that I have to have faith, but my faith is in the eternal God that he created. Acts chapter 14, I think, is the root of much of why men look for any other explanation that they can find than the fact that God did it. In Acts chapter 14, verse 15, and saying, Sirs, why do ye these things? We also are men of like passions with you and preach unto you that ye should turn from these vanities unto the living God, which made heaven and earth and the sea and all things that are therein. You see, men don't want to turn unto a living God. Because once you admit that there is a living God, and you admit that he is responsible for your existence of even being here, 
then you must accept at least some kind of accountability to the one that is responsible for your existence. Accountability scares people. The world around us doesn't want accountability. In fact, it scares a lot of Christians even that do believe in God. They have to be accountable. But as Christians, we are accountable not only for everything that we do and everything that we say, but even for what we think. We're accountable to our God. And we speak of God, not my purpose of the sermon this morning. We speak of God. We're speaking of God in his fullness. We see, and we will see as we look through these verses, we will see God the Father and God the Spirit at work. As we read further places in Scripture, we are told explicitly that Jesus Christ was there and responsible for creation. So I want you to understand when we speak of God here, I'm speaking of God in his wholeness, in his fullness, as God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit, our living God. We see the whole Godhead active in creation. The Bible said it was by faith that we can understand that these world, this world that we live in was created by the Word of God. It was that Word that became flesh and dwelt among us, amongst us in the person of Jesus Christ. We find that 1 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 6 says, But to us there is but one God, the Father of whom are all things and we in him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, by whom are all things, and we by him. You see, the word of God is clear. You can't divide creation out amongst them. God was responsible in all of his holiness. The Gospel of John chapter 1 and verse 3 says, All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. That's speaking about the word that came and became flesh upon this earth. You can turn over a few pages in your Bible to Ephesians chapter 3. And verse 9, and Ephesians 3, 9 says, And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God who created all things by Jesus Christ. Just a few pages over in Colossians chapter 1, and in verse 16, 
The Word of God says, for by him, speaking of Jesus Christ, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature, for by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. In Hebrews chapter 1, notice what the first two verses of the book of Hebrews say to us. God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. We see that the Word of God is very clear. It's not just a passing thought. Now, if you turn back to the book of Job in the Old Testament, notice what Job chapter 26 and verse 13 has to say to us. It says, by his spirit, Holy Spirit that is, by his spirit he hath garnished the heavens, his hand hath formed the crooked serpent. Turn over to chapter 33 of Job. And notice what he says in verse 4. Let us choose to us judgment. Let us know among ourselves what is good. Chapter 33, that was chapter 34. Chapter 33, verse 4. The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, hath made me, and the breath of the Almighty hath given me life. Job knew. Job knew exactly where he had come from, and he knew exactly where his life was at. In Psalm 104, verse 30, the Word of God says, Thou sendest forth thy spirit. They are created, and thou renewest the face of the earth. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying the Word of God is abundant with the fact that God, in all of his being, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, were active in the creation of everything around us that exists. But I want you to look at another verse on creation in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, which speaks of another creation, and we sang about this even earlier in one of our songs this morning. In fact, we've sang about it in more than one, but in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, the Bible says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. In your Bible, 
when it tells you there that if any man, anybody that's in Christ, you can't be in Christ unless he is a new creature. The word translated creature there, the same word that translates is creation. The creature was the creation. He is a new creation. If you are in Christ, the Bible says you're a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. You see, this verse is describing something that is created at a whole different level. We find that it refers to the regeneration of what we call the new birth. As we look at creation today, one of those, you know, there are so many, I don't mean to, to sound flippant about it, really neat things in the Bible. I mean, really neat things that, that we find there. And one of the things that I want us to do both this morning and this evening as we begin to look at these things is, is that we look back at Genesis 1-1 and we look at some of the things that God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that what God did in creating this physical world and then you compare that to what the Bible teaches us about what's taking place here in this new creation that we read about in 2 Corinthians 5.17. And notice the likenesses of what's taking place when God is doing the creating. You see, we see as we begin to look and compare the natural with the spiritual, we see that in both the old and the new creation, it always begins by an act of God. God is the initiator. The moving of his spirit and the speaking of his word. Nothing is ever created any other way unless God acts and his spirit moves and his word is spoken. There is nothing that exists in the old or the new without that taking place. I want you to notice, first of all, as we look into the book of Genesis here, I want you to notice the state of disorder that this world was in. You see, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. But he tells us in verse 2, and the earth was without form was everything, all that was, was brought into existence, but it wasn't in any kind of harmony. It didn't have any kind of order to it at that time. But you see, we've looked many times. God doesn't do things just to have fun or just to amuse you or to amuse me. God has a purpose and I want you to recognize something as we look through these scriptures this morning and this evening. God has a purpose in the natural creation. 
and what God created there in the heavens. It's a, what God created there in the Garden of Eden. It is not being fulfilled today. God's purpose is not fulfilled in this earth with its sin curse upon it. But it will be fulfilled. God has a purpose in spiritual creation. And neither are you and I fulfilling all that God's purpose for us is. But praise God. He says we're being made into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. His purpose for us is so much greater. And everything that God's doing in creation, in the natural and in the spiritual, God has a purpose for it. It's not as we look around and we see that there is certainly a lot of disorder all around us. But I want you to understand something. There was disorder in the beginning, but God brought harmony out of it. All the disorder that we see around us, God has a purpose, and his purpose will be fulfilled, and he will bring harmony out of it. But there was not only this being without form. Notice it says, and void. You know what it means to be void? Be empty. To be lifeless. To be able to really accomplish anything. Void, just emptiness. We find that we need to understand things on their own have no life. It is God himself that gives life and that gives fruitfulness. The book of Romans, chapter 7, and in verse 18, the Word of God says, For I know, this is the Apostle Paul speaking, that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good, I find not. You know what the Apostle Paul's saying there? First of all, yes, he's recognizing that there's nothing good in him, but he's recognizing something that goes far beyond that as well, that he doesn't even know how to make anything good out of it. <laughs> he doesn't even know how to begin to start to make anything good out of of himself. Again, we find that Job in Job chapter 14 and in verse 4, he asked the question, who can bring a clean thing out of an unclean? Not one. You see, there's only one way that the dirty can become clean, that the unclean can become clean. That's just got to be cleaned up. The problem is there is absolutely nothing that will clean away the spots of sin from your life except the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing else. There's nothing else that will touch it. There's nothing else that will even begin to remove it. Man, just as this earth in its beginning within himself 
without the action of God. Just as these two men find they're, they're empty, they're void, they're unable to produce life of themselves, they're unable to, pro to produce even something good of themselves. Why? Folks, there simply is no life present. At this point in creation, God had created, but there was no harmony to it yet. God had created, but there was avoidance. There was no life yet. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. Darkness. God didn't have to create darkness, did he? Why? Darkness is just the absence of light, folks. We find that it says darkness was upon the face of the deep. There was only darkness until the light was sent forth. You know that darkness is totally, completely incapable of producing light of itself? It can't. We find that all would be darkness, except that it was God that commanded the light to shine forth. God commanded it, and it was so. We find if we look into 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 6, the Bible says, For God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. To be under sin is to be under the power of darkness. The Bible refers to Satan as the prince of darkness. But just as the earth, engulfed in its darkness, was incapable of producing light from within that darkness, so it is in our lives. It was God that commanded the light to shine forth. May I say to you that it's only God that can command that spiritual light to shine forth into your life. You see, human beings are in a state of disorder just as we see the earth was. There's many reasons for it. But of course, when you trace it all back, when you go right back to it, God didn't create us in a state of disorder. It was sin that brought that disorder to us. In God's creation, it was in perfect harmony. But we have the sin curse upon us, and therefore today, as human beings, without an act of God, we find ourselves in the same state of disorder. You know, if you, if, if you go up to somebody and tell them you think they've got a disorder, how do you think they're going to take that? <laughs> 
How would you like it for somebody to come up and look? I think you've got a disorder. We don't usually take kindly to those kind of, it's not easy, but I'm saying, folks, spiritually, our life is a disorder unless God does something. But we find here that in this same verse, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and something else happened there. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. You see, we not only see the state of disorder, but we see the Spirit at work. It was God's Holy Spirit, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. You know, I don't know exactly how much the earth was moving at that time. You know, there's movement of itself, but the earth couldn't mend itself. It had to be moved upon. God had to act upon it. The Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Regeneration is never the outcome of movements of the natural man or the natural heart. It can't bring life of itself. Now, I know that we have another theory that's called evolution of things evolving into. But I'm saying to you, and I can say this firm, and I can look you straight in the eyes, evolution has never, ever, ever been seen. There is no evidence for it. It's an idea of man that somehow helps him to be able to, to put some kind of sense into all this being here without God having to act upon it so that he's not accountable to a God. He can just live as he wants and do as he wants and never have to give an answer for it. That's the natural way. That's what men want within themselves. But I'm saying to you, just as in the original creation, we find that there was no form and it was void and it was dark. That's the situation of a living soul without God. And in natural creation, it was the Spirit of God that moved upon the waters of that creation. Folks, I find it, and you, you, you better remember, evolution is just as much a religion as Christianity is. And it's accepted by faith. It's just a question, where are you going to place your faith? In man's ideas that he's never been able to prove that he's tried in some way to make happen that those gaps have never been filled. We're in the God of the universe that created it and that put it here and that keeps it here. You will. You will believe something. There's no such thing as not believing it's a question of what you're going to believe in, and you're going to live your life accordingly. 
We find that spiritual evolution is just as surely a lie of man as physical evolution. It can't be. It can't happen. We find that we've already read our passage in 2 Corinthians 5, 17. I'd like to read also in the Gospel of John, chapter 6, and verse 63. Gospel of John, chapter 6. Verse 63 says, it is the Spirit, Holy Spirit. It is the Spirit that quickeneth. What does that word quickeneth mean? That makes alive. It's the Spirit that quickeneth. The flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are Spirit and they are life. God's words. The Gospel of John chapter 16 Notice that Jesus himself, when he was preparing to leave this world, he promised to send another, a paraclete, the comforter, the Holy Spirit. And he tells us in chapter 16, verses 8 to 11, and when he has come, he, the Holy Spirit, will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment, of sin because they believe not on me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more, of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. The Holy Spirit is the only one that can move upon a human soul. And as he says here, reprove him or convict him of his sin to even recognize that sinful state, we find that the apostle Peter in 1 Peter chapter 3 and in verse 18, he says, for Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh but quickened by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And in Romans chapter 8 and verse 11, the Word of God clearly says, But if the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. Nobody evolves into a Christian. I've met many people in my life, and, and you ask them the very simple question, when did you become a Christian? So many times it's either, well, I've always been a Christian. Or they think 
can't really tell you a specific time. Folks, there's a thing that, you know, I'm not saying you got to have the, the, the hour, the minute, and the second wrote down to know exactly, you know, when it was. But I believe you know when it was. I can never forget the point in time. I can't tell you the hour on the clock. Matter of fact, without looking back, I can tell you the month, but I can't tell you the day. I remember that day specifically. I remember where I was at. I remember when it took place. I remember who was preaching the sermon. I remember what was in my heart when I humbled myself before God. Boy, did I want forgiveness for my sins. I saw my sins, and I saw my sins as God saw them, and I didn't like what I saw, and I wanted forgiveness. And I know that I believed with all my heart there was nothing that I could do to deserve that forgiveness. There was nothing that I could do to take away that sin, but I believed with all my heart that what Jesus Christ had done, he had done for me. And I can only cry out to God for mercy to forgive me, not because I deserved it, but because he loved me enough that he had taken care of it for me before I even came into existence as far as this earth was concerned. I knew that. The Bible says, you are a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. Everybody's emotions aren't the same. People's personal experiences are very different in how they come to Christ a lot of times. You ever saw a baby that didn't cry, that didn't know it was alive, that <laughs> didn't know it existed? <coughs> Truth is, if there's a new creation, if there's a new birth, you're going to know it, folks. I'm just saying... You know, you can know a lot of things. You can't evolve into a Christian just because you start doing better, just because you start believing more, just because you start going to church, just because you change this in your life and that in your life. That's great. But that won't make you a child of God because even if you never sin another sin for the rest of your life, what about the ones past? What about that lie you told? What about this, that, or the other? We've all got something you can look at where you slipped up. Something's got to be done about that. Even if you were so strong that you could rise above sin for whatever time you've got left. You've got to know that. God created because it was an act of God and it was God's spirit that was moving upon, that was there. It's God's spirit that gives life, that brings life to the natural the spiritual today. That's my first point out of, I think, about seven, so I don't know where we'll get to tonight. You see, I want to do a couple of things for you this morning, and we're finished. Folks, I want you to be encouraged. I want you to be reminded of what a great God that we serve. His power and what he's accomplished and what he's done that even we are gathered here today. I want you to be encouraged that that same God that created everything that exists and that same God that brought harmony and life to that that had nothing, 
That same God that acted upon and his spirit moved upon the face of the earth. You know, that same, same Holy Spirit, the same one that was there in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, the same one might be moving upon your heart here this morning, wanting to give you that life, wanting to give you that new birth. And you could come up with all kind of reasoning and excuses. You can talk yourself right out of it. And you can walk through that door still just as void and empty and dark on the inside as when you came in. But that's not what God wants for you today. Oh, there's some exciting things, and I'm looking forward to looking at some more of them this evening of what God did there in the natural creation and how he does those same things in your spiritual creation. God wants you to be alive today. The question is, even though when Jesus died upon that cross, all his sacrifice was plenty sufficient for all of your sins, but have you ever, ever allowed that to be applied to your life? Nobody can do it for you. The people that love you the most in the world can't do it for you. Folks, I'm not wanting you to do anything emotional. I'm not wanting you to do anything for show. But I'm telling you this. You'll never, ever, ever, you'll never bring life to yourself. You can never, ever, ever make yourself into a Christian. You can never bring that spiritual life. It's only when the Spirit is moving upon you. God's allowed you to see, re realize, you know, you wouldn't even know what to do without him. If by his grace, he's allowed you to recognize your need and his supply, what he wants to do for you. Are you willing to just admit, I'm sorry, how low down and vile you really are just like the rest of us? within yourself, those things you think, those things you do. Now, holy God, how could he love you so much? The same one that was moving upon that water, that same God's the one that died on the cross. The same one that came in flesh, he's the same God. And he did that so that maybe right here today, you could have that life. And for us as Christians, wow. The magnificence of what God did in natural creation and the magnificence of what he's already done in that new creation. We'll look at some more of those things. And, you know, they're enough to get a little bit excited about sometimes. I've been asked sometimes, you know, you know preacher, why, why do you get so loud sometimes when you, I, man, God's exciting sometimes, <laughs> He is, and what he does is exciting, and it's okay. It's okay to smile. It's okay to be glad about it. Okay to have a bit of joy. It's even okay just to say praise the Lord sometimes. Thank you, Lord. Today, you ought to get excited about what the God that you've come to recognize out of that darkness and that void that you were in, 
Man, thank God. We'll see some other things besides the Spirit, the light, and all these things. We'll look at some more this evening, but here this morning. I want you to leave here rejoicing the greatness of your God and what he's done for you. And if you can't do that, then right now, right now, while the Spirit is moving upon you, would you be willing to humble yourself? Lord, I know I need you. I know if I've got any hope whatsoever. You see, we'd love for you to leave here with that same joy in your heart this morning of knowing, knowing, man, even though you don't deserve it, God's loved you so much. He's taken care of your sins. His purpose for you in creation, it'll be realized one day. Father, we thank you this morning. Lord, there's so much more. And Lord, no matter what that it might take for someone here this morning that's lost and never been saved, Lord, if I could stand here and preach till there was no breath left in me, if the others were able to sit here and withstand it for that long, Lord, if it meant they could go to heaven, we'd do it. Lord, we realize now that we've tried to share the truth that you've given to us this morning. Lord, I realize also that if it's going to take place in someone's heart, it's only the Spirit moving upon them that can bring that about. Even these words, if life is to be bought, it's said that the Spirit is the one that quickeneth, that giveth that life, that makes these words alive into our hearts. But Father, we pray today, I pray, Lord, that your conviction would be so strong and so real. Lord, in that lost person's life that they would realize their need, but boy, that they could see so clearly the answer, the answer to their sin problem. And Father, I pray this would be the day that they would just simply humble themselves and from their hearts, turn away from their sins and turn to follow the Lord Jesus Christ with their lives. Lord, asking for that forgiveness based upon what he did, not what they can do. And Father, for every Christian here to remind them, to encourage them, your greatness. And Lord, we need not be ashamed of proclaiming the truth of creation. Lord, the greatness that not only what you created back in the natural world, what you still sustain there, what you've created in our spiritual lives. Thank you so much, Father. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Mm -hmm.